be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. I know precisely why you are so unhappy, and that I can fix. I'm the fix-it-up champion. The human remain entertained until the end. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to listen to me. You have entered the space that exists between the silence and the noise, between the darkness and the light, between the eye and the wind. Embedded within the wide ways of sound, you have entered the sound zone. Good morning, camper. The soundscape? The soundscape. The soundscape? The soundscape. So come on. In the If man is still alive If woman can survive They may find In the year 35, 35 Ain't gonna need to tell the truth Tell no lies Everything you think, do, and say Is in the pill you took today In the year 45, 45 Ain't gonna need your teeth, won't need your eyes You won't find a thing to choose Nobody's gonna look at you In the year 55, 55 Your arms are hanging limp at your side your legs got nothing to do Some machine doing that for you In the year 65, 65 Ain't gonna need no husband, won't need no wife You pick your son, pick your daughter too From the bottom of a long glass tube whoa, whoa. It's time for the judgment day In the year 8-5-10 God is gonna shake his mighty head He'll either say I'm pleased where man has been Or tear it down and start again oh, oh. In the year 95-95 I'm kinda wondering if man is gonna be alive Taking everything this old earth can give And he ain't put back nothing whoa, whoa. Now it's been ten thousand years Man has cried a billion tears For what he never knew Now man's reign is through But through eternal night The twinkling of starlight So very far away Maybe it's only yesterday In the year 25, 25 If man is still alive If woman can survive
Good evening and welcome to Soundscape. Welcome, friends. This is edition number 106 of Soundscape. We'll call it uh, 2008 A Prague Odyssey. Since its inception, Soundscape has had uh, many key concepts and elements. Soundscape embodies the notion that despite differing bands and styles, there, there is a core of archetypes that music plugs into. The result of putting those archetypes into one body results in a theme. And sometimes that theme is based on a particular artist, sometimes a style, sometimes an instrument, and sometimes a lyrical theme. One of the deepest and most embedded themes in the soundscape canon has been science fiction. In fact, I would venture to say progressive music is the musical kin of science fiction and fantasy literature. This can be easily seen in the inspirations that give rise to some of our favorite songs, whether we are envisioning the Starship Trooper or hibernating on Mars in a sleep chamber. Progressive rock seeks to develop fantastical ideas into their sound equivalents, where rock and roll tries to speak to a commonality, a more pedestrian and perhaps savage way of being in the world. Progressive rock often speaks to high concepts and raises our eyes away from the mundane. When progressive music does not rely on lyrical content, it still seeks to create a fantastic vision. It takes us on a journey away from the confines of the work-o-day world and places us in the midst of a world of wonder and awe. What some critics would call bombast or noodling can actually be seen as an architecture of paths, a soundscape of journeys that when accepted upon its own terms with suspension of disbelief, transports the mind and the imagination of the listener. As a result, I hold in the highest esteem... I hold science fiction in the highest esteem that can be given to a work of art. It serves to inspire and remind us that with imagination engaging in human lives, there are no limits save those that we set for ourselves. So my friends, in this week's episode, we're going to pay special attention to many amazing science fiction concepts, and particularly pay homage to our fallen comrade and visionary sage, Arthur C. Clarke, who had quite a hand in inspiring many of our artists uh, to new heights and dreams, as well as our space program for that matter. Of course, we'll still be looking in at some new artists in the prog world and taking some trippy journeys with this week's jam session as well. So let's just get things started off with uh, some nice work from our good friend Wick, Make, Wick Wakeman. Rick Wakeman. During the Anderson Bruford Wakeman Howl Tour when uh, Wakeman was given the spotlight, this is what he did for us.
keys Made copies of the Torah in black Turned Buddhist just to talk to the contact Kept running all the way I was nine months on fire a piece of the puzzle Each person is a turn of the key Kept fitting pieces into the picture And as for me I was nine months old Things we're not meant to know Each creature has its price My life was wrapped to go No one knows me no one knows me by now Still bleeding from the scars of the circle No lawyer ever worked me like this Big secrets need a bigger reminder Meeting which was sealed, I was nine months old. And since my father died, when snow fell all around, blood scalding both my eyes. Yeah.
don't know me. couple of bands there that uh, really needed some uh, playing up. Hadn't played them in a while. There was Darwin's Radio, Erase Rewind, and Tiny Fish, Nine Months on Fire. Both fantastic bands, and Walter here in chat tells me that uh, Darwin's will have a new album coming out soon, which is fantastic to know since, of course, Declan is working on uh, the Frost album. So Declan's a busy fellow. <laughs> Before that, we played uh, the uh, Wakeman solo part of Anderson Proof of Wakeman Howe. And uh, got our ears full of some nice keys. So here we come to our first new band of the show this evening, this afternoon, whichever you're at. This band comes from to us from Germany. The band is called Aberax. You can check them out at www.aberax.de. Uh, back in 2006, they put together an album called Crying of the Whales. A progressive rock concept album about, you guessed it, whales and whale intelligence. And uh, saving the whales, ultimately. So we're going to play a few tracks from that, let you have a listen to it. And once again, uh, you can check out the band at aberax.de. Here they are with uh, Crying of the Whales Part 1.
Six million years, the story's told. Six million years, you're getting old. The world we live in is a place called Earth. A friendly planet with the gift of birth. All creation starts on this earthly womb. We gave you life and endless room. You've taken all and far too soon. We will not let you turn it into a tomb. Six million years and you're getting old. You have not listened to what we've told. What once seemed right to your delight and important to your cause has blown away just like the wind, a lifetime over with no pause. Like the wind, your lives, they come and go, but we've been here much longer, much longer than you know. It can't be so hard to understand, without the whale, there'll be no man. To prosper and to preserve all life, we must live together like a man and wife.
All right, all right. That was IQ with Sacred Sound. Before that, we heard from Aberax. New music for Soundscape, at least. Uh, the album came out in 2006, but uh, we heard Crying of the Whales Part 1, Point of No Return, and Crying of the Whales Part 2. What do you say, about uh, maybe uh, six parts Floyd, four parts Eloy, something like that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm going to go with. So that brings us to our theme of the day, which in this case is our literary theme. We do the literary theme maybe once a month, hopefully about once a month, in which we uh, take a look at music that is uh, inspired by some of our favorite literary artists. In this case, we're paying homage and tribute to Arthur C. Clarke. Of course, most well known for his writing of uh, 2001, or the books that spawned 2001, one of them being Sentinel. Uh, but he also wrote a great deal of good science fiction outside of that as well. Um, Childhood's End, uh, Songs of Distant Earth, uh, Rendezvous with Rama. And uh, many of our favorite prog and some not-so-prog artists have uh, gotten quite a lot of inspiration from from Arthur C. Clarke. So, this first set of Arthur C. Clarke-related music, we're going to hear a little bit from David Bowie. Um, David Bowie changed his name, and uh, it, it looks like uh, David Bowie is meant to represent David Bowman, which is, of course, one of the main characters in 2001. Of course, one of the first hits that David Bowie sprung was Space Oddity, which... There's there's no there's no joke here. The resemblance is appropriate. Space Oddity, Space Odyssey. So, uh, furthermore, David also wrote uh, some songs. Um, wrote a song, uh, well, a couple more songs that you'll hear later on in the set. Uh, oh, you pretty things was about uh, childhood's end, and uh, then we had uh, Starman, which could equally be. Uh, about Childhood's End and also about 2001 as, of course, uh, David Bowman becomes the star child in the end of 2001. So, I'm going to start off with the song that you know best for 2001, also Sprach Zarathustra. Who knows if I'm saying that correctly, but it's by Ricard Strauss, and it's certainly one of the most uh, enduring pieces of music from Ricard Strauss. Of course, you hear the Blue Danube in the background here by Johann Strauss. Somehow Stanley Kubrick made it connected with uh, space travel in his amazing ballet of, of what happens in a, a space station. So, again, we'll start with also Sprach Zarathustra, and we'll move on from there. Um, got quite a set of music for you here, so hope you enjoy.
me put it this way, Mr. Amer. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. We are all, by any practical definition of the words, foolproof and incapable of error. Give me 
The dawn of the space age was the most momentous event of the 20th century. So much has happened since the launch of Sputnik 1, and so many dreams of science fiction writers have turned into reality that I can still hardly believe that I've experienced it. We've certainly come a long way since we space cadets of the British Interplanetary Society were optimistically trying to promote the idea of space travel back in the 1930s and 40s. Yet, I believe that the golden age of space travel is still ahead of us. Before this decade is out, fee-paying passengers will be experiencing suborbital flights aboard privately built vehicles. And over the next 50 years, thousands will gain access to Earth orbit and then onto the moon and beyond. There's no limit to how much and how far our species can expand into space that is really up to our ingenuity and imagination. This is Arthur Clarke speaking from Colombo, Sri Lanka.
I really just just couldn't uh, I couldn't not put in that song. That's uh, Peter Schilling's remake of David Bowie's Space Oddity, which of course, if Space Oddity was based on uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, then Major Tom couldn't have happened if it weren't for Space Oddity, if it weren't for 2001. So it all kinds of bleeds back together there. That set started with uh, Rickard Strauss, also Sprock Zarathustra. After that was Mike Goldfield's Sentinel. Sentinel was, of course, the short story that spawned 2001. It was one of the few that uh, Stanley Kubrick picked when he decided to do, do the movie 2001. And actually, uh, 2001 wasn't written for 2001. It was written in tandem with, with the movie um, as a result of several of Arthur Clarke's short stories. Uh, so Sentinel was the original story, and that was the story of how they found the very first artifact, the monolith on the moon. And of course, the music that was played during the movie itself was the spooky choral thing that, that uh, really just drums into your mind and you're watching the, the, the monolith and the, the terrible sound comes when they see the monolith and it sends out its message to supposedly to Jupiter space. So another band that is uh, very deeply influenced by the work of uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Actually, I would I would reckon instead of it being the band being influenced by Arthur C. Clarke, it would be Roger Waters that was influenced by Arthur C. Clarke. And I'll make a case for that as we go along. Of course, uh, Pink Floyd did uh, Childhood's End, which was it shared the title Childhood's End with the book Childhood's End. However. Um, apparently David Gilmour wasn't much of a fan of science fiction and uh, so didn't even really appreciate the idea of calling it Childhood's End but uh, apparently uh, I don't know if there was something between Roger and Dave there as there might well be um, but uh, it does have some similarities to the story Childhood's End at times um, however uh, Roger Waters made an album called Amused to Death which could likely be seen as being a, I don't know, an amalgam, a, a synthesis of the two works, 2001 and Childhood's End. And on the live portion of Perfect Sense, it starts out with uh, the the dying words of Howl, basically. Um, so we'll, we'll talk more about what how Amused to Death relates to this in a little while, but we're going to make the move from 2001 to Childhood's End in this next set, starting with Roger Waters' Perfect Sense Parts 1 and Parts 2. Actually, um, just to head that off real quickly, Pink Floyd was originally asked to do the soundtrack for 2001 A Space Odyssey, um, but it turned out they had other other obligations, unfortunately. Commitments, Commitments yes. Welcome my wife to the studio. Hello. Um, that would have been fantastic, and some have suggested that you should uh, start listening to Echoes just as the trip into the Stargate begins uh, towards the end of uh, 2001. I haven't done that yet, but I've heard it's probably... A, it wasn't intended, but I, I imagine it would work pretty well since Pink Floyd was ultimately a big psychedelic light show at times. So, uh, actually, when Roger Waters recorded Amused to Death... Um, he wanted to use uh, excerpts from Hal, but he wasn't. Stanley Kubrick wasn't going to allow him to because he basically said that uh, he was afraid it would set some kind of precedent and everyone would be using the voice of Hal. So 
for good or ill, when Roger was touring, it was after Stanley died, and he did get the rights to uh, broadcast Hal as part of the beginning of the show. So that may be the only part of this song that ends up being about 2001, but I have the feeling that on the other end, this whole album ends up being about childhood's end and maybe 2001 from a different perspective. So here we have uh, Perfect Sense Part 1 and 2, Roger Waters Live. He sat on a pile of stone And he stared at the broken bone in his hand The strains of a Viennese quartet rang out across the land Back on the garden and set out for the nearest town.
Like giants, vast 
silent. It all the younger races, explored beyond the rim, created great empires. But to all things, there is an end. Slowly, over a million years, the first ones went away. Some passed beyond the stars, never to return. Some simply disappeared. Seeing something more than day to day Survival chased by final days If I believed this the sum Of the life to which we've come I wouldn't waste my breath Somehow there must be more
dark is the highway And the peak's distance breaks my heart For I never shall see it Still I play my part Believing that what waits for us Is a cosmos compared to the dust So that's Vandergraaff Generator's version of Childhood's End, Childlike Faith and Childhood's End. Before that, we heard Roger Waters' Perfect Sense Parts 1 and 2, and I want to get back to talking about how Roger Waters connects to Childhood's End and also how Roger Waters connects to 2001. I have sent an email to Roger, but I don't think I'm going to get an answer. Nevertheless, uh, I believe that uh, Roger was greatly influenced by Childhood's End and 2001 together. In Amused to Death, of course, the story is uh, that an alien anthropologist comes to the Earth and finds that we have uh, amused ourselves to death. He finds skeletons croused around the TV set. So, And he decided that uh, the species had amused themselves to death. It's kind of the opposite of what uh, the monolith supposedly did for us according to 2001 of course the monolith shows up and the apes touch it and by some method of transfiguration or something you know some kind of tele telepathy or something they begin to understand the idea of tools and using those tools for purposes and of course we find that the main purpose they discover is killing you can now eat meat as a result of the understanding of the tools and then you flash forward far into the future and you find that the tools are equal to the ship that is orbiting Earth. So in the Roger Waters story, it's as if the tool that we linked into instead was the TV and not not the monolith. Furthermore, he talks about the alien anthropologist and he talks about how the monkey, he uses the monkey as the representative of anyone who is human and uh, how we find our joy and our satisfaction in TV and, and we look at things and, uh, you know, talking about the war, we say things like, uh, I like to see which side's winning, my side or their side, etc., etc. Now, in the story Childhood's End, the idea behind the book is that uh, this race of aliens that we call the overlords comes and basically poses themselves over all of the major cities of the United States and the world as a whole and eliminates all those things that we consider bad, whether it be war or poverty. It eliminates it all, basically, as a result of sort of guiding us to the next level of our evolution. And although they are tending us for the next level of evolution, it's not us that's going to experience it. It is instead our children that will experience it. They will become the overmind and so they are there to be the nursery and the caretakers for the overmind 
as sent by the other overminds of the universe. So, As a result, they are the Watchers of the Sky. Before I uh, go into that, um, in the middle of Roger Waters and Von der Graaf Generator there, I played a little piece from Babylon 5. Babylon 5 was deeply influenced by the story uh, Childhood's End. Of course, the Vorlons and the Shadows are both the overlord races that are conducting us to our future evolution, and the whole story of Babylon 5 is overthrowing our overlords and uh, taking up a space on the evolutionary chart of our own in which we say, ah, forget it, we're not dealing with the hierarchies anymore. We are our own persons, our own beings. So when Delenn talks about uh, beings older than any of us ever considered, that's what she's talking about, and it's in relation to the idea of the overlords. So, Genesis created a wonderful song about uh, childhood's end, which is called Watcher of the Skies. Hope you enjoy.
has come to end Has life again destroyed life Do they play elsewhere? Do they know more than their childhood games? Maybe the
up your sleepy head Put on some clothes, shake up your bed Put another log on the fire for me I made some breakfast and coffee yeah. Look out my window, what do I see? Crack in the sky and a hand reaching down to me All the nightmares came today And it looks as though they're here to stay coming to no room for me no fun for you I think about a world to come where the books were found by the golden ones written in pain written it all by a puzzled man who questioned what we were here for all the strangers came today and it looks as though they're here to stay children see their faces in golden rays don't kid yourself they belong to you they're the start of the calming race the earth is a bitch we finished our news homo sapiens have outgrown their use all the strangers came today and it looks as though they're here to stay at all. It is as little more than ants, and we have as much chance of communicating with them as an ant has with us. We know. We've tried. And we've learned that we can either stay out from underfoot or be stepped on. That's it? That's all you know? Yes. They are a mystery. And I am both terrified and reassured to know that there are still wonders in the universe that we have not yet explained everything whatever they are miss sakai they walk near sigma 957 they must walk there alone.
sailed away.
So here we are, back again. 
little set of uh, David Bowie sandwich kind of thing. Of course, we had uh, Genesis uh, Watcher of the Skies there. The Watcher of the Skies are the overlords. Another little note from Babylon 5. Ants. Uh, Jakar talking about uh, the shadows that walk at uh, Sigma 9 Pi, whatever you call it. The long number. I think it's just Sigma 956 or something along those lines, but... Uh, uh, Zebra, Who's Behind the Door, another little-known 80s band that uh, I still, when I heard Who's Behind the Door, I just love that song. And then Starman, uh, Arthur C. Clarke seemed to use a lot of time to uh, pose the idea that there were races out there that were, were grooming us towards some eventual evolution of some sort. So while Starman and Who's Behind the Door may not be about Arthur C. Clarke's childhood's end, they have the same sentiment, and of course, David Bowie, David Bowman, the relationship there. I assume that there's some connection, and uh, in the case of Zebra, it really can't be missed, this whole idea of someone shepherded, shepherding us into something new, and some new evolutionary period. So, the next set I have is just songs about Childhood's End, which are all similarly titled, Childhood's End. Similarly titled. They're Simil all the exact They are exactly same titled. Thing. <laughs> Thanks for pointing out that. Child's, childhood's End. Childhood's End. It's a fantastic story. Uh, definitely will take you in different directions than you expect it to go. Um, but uh, here's the John Young. Here's the John Young Band's version of Childhood's End, and uh, we'll go on from there to Pink Floyd. Childhood's End. Childhood's End. There comes a night 
Thank you. So all things come and 
course, Iron Maiden are big fans of all forms of literature, but uh, they did not make that song about Arthur Clarke's childhood's end. Also in uh, the uh, popular media, the other thing related to childhood's end that you may not know about is the cover of the album Houses of the Holy. Is it Houses of the Holy? Yeah, Houses of the Holy. Um, the picture represents the children climbing towards their destiny as uh, as the next evolutional step. They become the Overmind. Really? Indeed. Well, that's pretty cool. This has been quite a learning curve about Arthur Clarke for me. So, uh, Arthur Clarke really had this deep belief that uh, somehow, some way, if we were going to connect with extraterrestrials, they were going to shepherd in the next age, whether it be through the monolith from 2001 or the overlords and the overmind from Childhood's End. However, in the 80s, whereas those books were written in the 40s and 50s, uh, in the 80s, Arthur Clarke decided something completely different. He pretty much decided that finally uh, Einstein's equation uh, for the speed of light and the fact that we couldn't break it was correct. And as a result, uh, we would probably never be able to get anywhere really in the universe without taking several lifetimes to get there. So what would make us go? Well, the only thing that would make us get up off our butts and get off the Earth would be if the Earth was going to end. And so in the book... Songs from Distant Earth, Arthur Clarke projects the idea of what happens if Earth is destroyed and we have to send out ships to seed other planets that are around other stars in order to make sure that the human race continues. In this particular arena, um, Mike Oldfield did an album based on the songs of Distant Earth. and uh, It's a whole album, but I'm not going to play all of it for you. I'm just going to play a bit of it for you. But in this album, however... Arthur Clarke says, you know, he originally thought that the upper limit of speed was going to be that we couldn't get past the speed of light and that anything from Star Trek or those guys who are sort of folding space or whatever in Dune, whatever have you, were not dealing with science realistically. And the thing about science fiction in his mind was that, indeed, you can definitely... Uh, um, do whatever science fiction proposes. It's just a far-fetched future, something that's going to happen later on. So based on reality, a potential reality. Right. I mean, in, in terms of Arthur Clarke, I mean, let's see. He uh, he came up with the idea that eventually became the uh, communications satellites that are now floating around Earth, and they are in what's considered Clark orbit. Um, he and Stanley Kubrick came up with the idea of the video phone, which is now a pretty common application of uh, telephone technology and if you look at 2001 and his relationship with Kubrick there they did their best to posit what would happen only if you know continued technologies that are going on were going to really occur so they worked really hard to incorporate space and physics and everything that would be required in order to make this film seem like a realistic step because remember when 2001 was created it was before we ever even got to the moon but he wanted to have the science all down pat. So he and uh, Arthur Clarke were both allowed to visit uh, the the ships that were being created for our trip to the moon um, in order to sort of get the science right for 2001. Nevertheless, he goes on to say that uh, there's a researcher called uh, Alcubierre 
who has made it possible to uh, beat the speed of light and therefore have warp drive. So he apologizes in the opening notes for Mike Oldfield's Songs of Distant Earth. But Songs of Distant Earth is based on the idea that we can only travel at such and such speed. So it might take 400 years and several generations in order to get to the point of actually colonizing a planet. It's a fantastic book. I've been quite enjoying it. Uh, I'm going to play a few tracks from that now, and then we'll close out our Arthur C. Clarke review and move on into some new music for you. Here is First Landing from Mike Oldfield. Enjoy.
told you my NASA Navajo story. Okay. Which may conceivably be true. You know, the Apollo astronauts were trained in survival tactics in case they came down in some out-of-the-way part of the world okay, yeah. so they could survive till they were picked up. And one of the places they were trained was in America, in the Navajo Indian Territory. And the Navajos saw this going on, these men you know, wandering around in strange cosmos. What's this? And NASA said, oh, they're going to the moon. And the Navajos were delighted. They said, well, that's where our ancestors are. Would they take a message from us? <laughs> okay. And NASA said, of course, and handed over the tape recorder. And they recorded a brief message. Now, Navajo is a very difficult language. Yes. I mean, only spoken about a thousand people yes. now. And they didn't say what it was. And any time NASA played it to um, anyone who knew Navajo, they burst out laughing, but wouldn't translate. <laughs> oh, okay. But eventually they found a defector who <laughs> would translate it. It was a very short message. Don't let these bastards steal your land. <laughs> I have no regrets. But if I may be allowed just three wishes. Firstly, I would like to see some evidence of extraterrestrial life. Secondly, I would like to see us kick our current addiction to oil and adopt clean energy sources. Third wish is one closer to home. I dearly wish to see lasting peace established in Sri Lanka. But I'm aware that peace cannot just be wished. It requires a great deal of hard work, courage, and persistence. This is Arthur Clarke saying thank you and goodbye from Colombo. set out by saying first quarter Houston by five
That's sad. That was very sad. <laughs> but the fact is, I wanted to make sure that 2001 was thrown in there at the end of Arthur C. Clarke's mm -hmm. Three Wishes. And I hope you've enjoyed the Arthur C. Clarke portion of the show. Fantastic man, uh, an amazing gentleman, and uh, definitely worth your attention sometime in the near future if you have never really uh, paid attention to Arthur C. Clarke. Is. He is a a wonderful imagination and an amazing array of books that will definitely take you on journeys past your imagination and into the realm of what could be. So that last set there was uh, mostly Mike Oldfield from uh, his album uh, of the same name, which is uh, The Songs of Distant Earth. And uh, there at the end we had a couple of pieces from Arthur Clarke himself the uh, NASA and the Navajo story, as well as Arthur Clarke's Three Wishes. Of course, Arthur Clarke lived in Sri Lanka, so that was why his wish was for peace in Sri Lanka. And then closed it out there with Fish's version of Also Sprock Zarathustra, 2001, the jam band version. I love that piece. Yeah, it's fantastic music. So now we move into uh, yet another new band. It's almost like I need a clapper, like, okay, this is the section boop, where we're in the new section of the show, the next section of the show. Uh, the next section of the show is devoted to our friends Farpoint, who just recently released uh, Cold Star, Quiet Star, uh, which you can pick up at CD Baby. You can also check them out at farpointband.com. The new album is something of a redemption story told from a science fiction point of view. And I'm going to play a few tracks here for you to get used to it and uh, know what you're looking for so that you can go to CD Baby and pick it up. Right, and then you can read that Woody is in the thank you part of it. Yeah, I was thanked. He was thanked. I feel all special and stuff. <laughs> no, really, Farpoint is in a fantastic band. This new album is a, a, a new maturity for their sound, and I think you'll really enjoy it. We're going to start out with a prologue, Call to Arms. This is Farpoint. 
broken lines of communication Failed attempt at negotiation
Why does it keep doing that? <laughs> Welcome back. A little bit of Farpoint there for you from the new album, Cold Star, Quiet Star. Once again, the website to check that out is farpointband.com. You can also check it out on uh, cdbaby.com. Just type in Farpoint. I like that last song, Blue Shift. That was awesome. I, I think that's my favorite on the album so far, mm-hmm. although th- there's a lot of good stuff here. There's still four more tracks that I didn't play, so you'll have to check back into uh, Soundscape keep, in the near future. And I have to keep them wanting more. Exactly. That's the whole deal of showbiz. Keep them wanting more. So I should take this moment to uh, talk about... Uh, oh, I should also take this moment to say anybody who's listening who wants to talk about Farpoint, wants to ask questions about Farpoint... Farpoint. Kevin is here in chat. He is the keyboardist and one of the lead members of Farpoint. He can answer any questions for you and uh, direct you to whatever solutions you need. Uh, that said, now I'm going to move into talking about uh, next week. Next week we'll do our first... I, I've been calling this escape velocity, but I don't know if that's really the right term. But it, we'll go into our first world-traveling Prague session. We'll be uh, Our theme next week will be Finnish Prague. That is Prague from Finland. I've uh, contacted a lot of great Finnish Prague bands and uh, got a lot of nice mixes together, so... Uh, We'll, we'll take some time to learn about what Finland has to offer to progressive rock next week. Um, in the meantime, I should talk about also the uh, next book club selection we'll do will be uh, focusing on works by George Orwell, and that will be in about uh, a month from now or so. So quite a few prog songs based on George Orwell's works, and we'll uh, check that out as well. So which book are you going to read? Are you going to read them all? I'll try to read them all. I, I don't know. I'm... Not a big fan of George Orwell, per se. Animal Farm. Well, I, I'll read Animal Farm. I don't have a problem with that. I haven't even read that one before. I read uh, 1984 quite some time ago. Animal Farm was required reading in high school for me. 1984 was required for me. I read them both, but Animal Farm is my favorite. All right, so that brings <laughs> us to our last band. Well, I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> laughing at me. I have no response to that. I have no response to that. That brings us to our next band, the last new band of the night, uh, and hopefully one that you're going to find some love for. This is called Birds and Buildings. They come from Washington, D.C., just a little bit uh, north of South Carolina, where Farpoint came from. Their most recent album is called Bantam to Behemoth, and it is a uh, quasi-concept album which deals with collision, evolution, and conflict. We're going to listen to the first three songs of the album as there are three sets of songs that all sort of book into each other together. They're all kind of flying into one another kind of thing. So we'll listen to the three and see what you think. If you want to check them out, uh, what, no, no website? No website. No website? How about on the album? What kind of modern day band? Shh. We're supporting this band, <laughs> damn it. None of your mumbo jumbo. <laughs> oh, it's mumbo jumbo. There's nothing. I'll find a website for you guys, and I'll I'll tell you about it right we after you hear this. Find because you're gonna want to know more about birds and buildings. This first song is called "Birds Flying Into Buildings," which sounds pretty tragic. But uh, listen to the song, see what you think.
We are star stuff. We are the universe made manifest, trying to figure itself out.
that's the way it goes. That's the end of Soundscape for this evening. That was a very nice way to end. I thought so. I thought that was a good, good little ending for our little science fiction show. That set was a uh, new band, Birds and Buildings, from Washington, D.C. You can check them out at uh, myspace.com forward slash birds and buildings. Pretty fantastically fusion-y band. Mm-hmm. We heard the first three songs from the CD, building, uh, Birds Flying Into Buildings, Terrifier, and Tunguska. We'll listen to some more in the next uh, few shows. We'll check them out again. Don't forget to join us next week for our first Finnish Prague special. Our first special of... uh, Prague Around the World. Prague Around the World. For whatever reason, I've been calling it Escape Velocity. Maybe because I need Escape Velocity to get the hell out of my house. Anyway, um, stay tuned next for the Rush Hour. This is show 201 for them. They should be primed and ready for another 100 shows. So stick around. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us tonight, and we will see you again next time. That's next week. Thanks for the clarification. I try. <laughs>